Wars and revolution have their own pacing, Mara, their own time. The question is not if we'll win, but when. The city is falling around our ears, and you still believe that? Well, how can I leave these men and believe anything else? About 60 minutes, have you heard anything from them? Well, get on it. I need to get on that show and talk about the arms embargo. It's imperative. They want fact, Paul, not poetry. They want to know how men armed with rifles are going to defeat Borchek's tanks. These men are capable of more heroism than you can imagine. All they need is the proper motivation. My motivation! Somebody please tell me who rang the dinner bell. Welcome to Highlander Rewatch. <laughs> I'm one of your rewatchers, Keith. This is Kyle. This is Eamon. And welcome to Highlander Rewatch, where each and every week we examine another facet of the Highlander universe. Keith, was that wine delivered in a morgue? It might have been. Wow. Where are you getting dinner in the morgue? Guess we'll find out. We'll definitely find <laughs> out who's serving up some tasty treats in the morgue. It's the doctor. Ooh. Welcome to episode three, season three. Guys, we're here to talk about the revolutionary. Uh, this episode was first aired the 10th of October in 1994. Also a Monday, just like last week. Mondays. Looks like we found a new time slot. Garfield would hate this show. Ooh. He would. He would like lasagna, though. So this episode was directed by Dennis Barry. Uh, we, of course, just saw him recently direct The Samurai. Oh, he's back. Which was very good. This episode was written by Peter Mohan. He wrote The Zone. <laughs> He also wrote Color of Authority, which is pretty solid, and this episode, and that was it. He's only written these three. Yeah. So, kind of spotty track record, I'd say. So Sorry, long, Peter. Peter. Yep. Then we got guest stars. So this episode kind of guest stars Lisa Howard. She isn't in, in the opening credits, though. I have some theories about this. So Lisa Howard plays uh, Dr. Anne, uh, Anne Lindsay. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Right. She's returns later. Yes. She will return quite a bit. But yeah, I don't know. She's in the opening credits, but then like during the regular kind of credit sequence that plays over the action, like where it's like, oh, produced by that that sort of stuff. It says like special appearance by Lisa Howard. And I'm wondering if it was intended to be that. And then at some point between when they were like editing the episode proper and releasing it, they were like, you know what? Let's keep you around. I don't know. And we're like, and then end up signing her for more. So they put her in the cre- in the actual credits because it's weird. Her name shows up twice. But yeah. she also does not do like she could absolutely be a background character yeah. in this episode like never to be heard from never again. to be heard from again it's not important so i don't know if that's the way it shook out but uh there we go this episode also guest stars lilana komorowski as mora and miguel fernandez as paul caros i know nothing about anything they've done and that's nope. it that's all i got me neither so moving on <laughs> well i can't imagine they're very busy based on their performances in this episode <laughs> hey ouch I have strong feelings about this entire thing. Wow, I did not seem to dislike this as much as Kyle might. But. Ooh, Paul Karros, and then 
Uh, spoiler warning: The main villain of this season's name is like really close to this. <laughs> yeah, Carlos. Like, These wow. K names, man. And we should have a whole list of K names. List Keith of K names. Keith Karras. and Kyle. <laughs> yes. Keith and Kyle, the two most ultimate Highlander bad guys. That's right. That's, the the I most mean, ultimate. In, in the fan fiction we're writing, yeah. <laughs> I am the ultimate immortal, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for our favorite segment of the show. You didn't say it like it's your favorite segment of the show. Uh, get get fucking pumped. All right. Guys, it's time for our favorite segment of the show. What? The IMDb episode. IMDb. All right, here we go. Immortal Paul Karos, who is leading a group of Balkan revolutionaries, comes to the U.S. to try to obtain arms. When a fellow traveler, Father Stephen, is shot, Duncan becomes suspicious of Karos' agenda. Also, Duncan becomes interested in Anne Lindsay. What? The the doctor who treats Father Stephen. Meanwhile, Charlie takes an interest (laughs) in Mara, a young woman who is helping Karos with his cause. Uh, All right, so there's definitely things that are weird in this. Yep. Father Stevens, yes, many. A f- when a fellow traveler, a fellow that traveler. makes him sound like he's, he's like, like a, a guy communist? who was on the bus with him. Yeah. Like not. I, I thought that made it sound like he was a communist or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. A fellow traveler, yeah. That's uh, like an expression. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe that's what they're getting at. But then also, it's like this is a guy you happen to be sitting next to on a plane. Right. Yeah. That also. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, Duncan becomes interested in Anne Lindsay. Nope. 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 That definitely that does not happen. happen. Yeah. Charlie does become interested in Mara. Yeah. Mara, Maya. Who's keeping count? Us. Yeah, we are. Mm. All right. Very good. She's, she's in this show. We'll have to talk about her. Unfortunately. Uh, all right. So let's talk about how this episode starts. So we get like news footage. Yeah. Some like weird. I don't know if this is stock footage or it sounds like it so they're watching the news footage the news footage has a title card informing you that you're in the balkan the balkans correct yes (laughs) but the font they use is the the same as the title card they use you to tell use to tell you the name of the episode right and that appears before the other (laughs) so i i was like the name of this episode is the balkans (laughs) (laughs) so i was legitimately confused about the name of this episode for you know several seconds Interesting. So the setup is, I guess I'll just read this. This is what is aired on the TV. Violence continues to stalk the suffering civilians of this... Of this... You got this. Violence, you. Oh, violence continues to stalk the suffering civilians of this once peaceful mountain region as the warring factions continue to hammer at each other. Yahamadam, sir. The only hope for the people of this shattered land is a truce between rebel leader Paul Karos and the better armed forces of President Borchek. Even as a UN-inspired arms embargo tightens its hold on the isolated rebels, Mr. Karos vows to continue the struggle until some kind of victory is achieved. So that's our setup. We got these two warring factions in this kind of like Soviet era looking place. It's this unnamed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Unnamed country. This whole episode. This is like Parmistan again. Vague. Yeah. 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 Uh, This is what uh, I guess, you know, Victor finger on the polis. This is is it. Again, if they brought him back, it would have helped. Did Drakov used to be here? Did Borchek step in to fill the vacuum left behind by Drakov and Warmonger? There it is. Now this episode is fantastic. Alternate timeline. (laughs) 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 Victor Spall is the guy who gives all the speeches. (laughs) 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 That's amazing. 
Uh, so we got like a negotiator type scenario here. Not really. But there's like a bunch of terrorists or soldiers. And they have some guy hostage and they're carting him around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So first off, let's talk about these two cats who kidnapped this guy. Okay. Because uh, this guy in front is walking in a beret wearing these like insane like aviator shades. And he's making like a so, like some cross between a duck face and like he's smelling farts. It's like, <laughs> look at this guy's face. Like I could not stop giggling. And this shot goes on for like 10 seconds longer than it needs to of just this guy's face. And they're like carting this guy who's like hooded because yeah. they've kidnapped him. And then we get to see, I don't know about you guys, but I was motivated. I was deeply, deeply deeply motivated by what comes next uh, how about you guys this this stirring speech you mean yeah uh that, that was the opening clip uh to this episode uh where this guy what's his name i keep messing his name caros 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 i guess he's rousing up his troops or whatever and he's gonna take a hostage he's gonna well he ends up killing this guy which is rough yeah uh, one thing that stuck out to me while he's like he's like obsessed with the media he's like get me on 60 minutes it's like what yeah <laughs> he's gotta convince him to lift the arms embark right yeah one thing that's funny the his like kind of right hand woman mora Mara. Mara. I'm really bad at the names <laughs> in this episode. Everyone's got like Aura, Karos, Mora. I, mm-hmm. I, I find it hard to remember. <laughs> uh, but she's like, oh, the city's falling around our ears. And I was like, around our ears? I was like, you mean like around our eye? Like, I don't know. That's no, such, that way, I think. Is that an okay? Like, I think I, that's an okay turn I found of that phrase. was like a weird turn of phrase. Yeah. Maybe because they're inside. She's like, we can only hear the city falling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think around our ears is a. Is like an expression. I think that is a turn of phrase right. that pre-exists this. So this guy wants to like motivate his troop. He's screaming mm-hmm. all about that. Because like this entire episode treats leadership like it's a magic power. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like and, everyone, and everyone's in all of it. Later, Charlie's like, wow, his leadership. He can lead men. He can turn farmers into green berets. That's yeah. not how Charlie talks. I started like <laughs> drifting into my Kern voice. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they bring this prisoner in who I guess is part of like the secret police of Borchek. Borchek. Uh, and so he just like blows him away. He's and like, it- this is one of Borchek's secret police. Not that secret, but like. Yeah. I guess he's trying to prove a point that like we can kill these guys easily. No yeah. big deal. Even though this guy would clearly be, I think, more valuable to you alive yeah then dead but who knows Just so then we cut to the capitol building of which is when who knows i was very confused yeah we're gonna talk a lot about politics in this <laughs> how this political structure is organized because it's wrong all top to bottom so Karos is now like walking in a suit and a tv reporter comes up to him and also again more terrible adr terrible mm-hmm. terrible this, ADR. this episode might as well be called like the adr not the revolutionary <laughs> The ADR Venere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the reporter asks him, he's like, oh, like, will Congress vote to end the arms embargo? Couple things here. Yeah. So first off, the... I, so many problems with that sentence. All right. So first off, in the opening TV report, it is a UN embargo. Congress, don't know what you have anything to do. This is not your game. This is a UN issue, apparently. What? But also, arms embargo, first off, like... This guy is leading a rebel faction. Can we have an embargo against, like, a non-state? Like, it's not like we're selling it to a, like, a political entity. It's not like an embargo in the sense of, like, we are refusing to sell weapons to you. It's an embargo, like, because we normally would, but, like, we've, because of this policy, it's like, hey, we have decided, he's asking them to, like, interfere in an internal power struggle of a state on his side. That's not an embargo. Like, that is a decision to arm revolutionaries. Yeah. Which is a thing the United States has been known to do from time to time throughout its history, you know, to stop communist regimes or 
democratically elected governments, whatever. Uh, like, that is a thing that has happened. It's not an embargo. It's, like, a decision to do some, like, deep, deep CIA shit to, like, arm rebels for, like, complicated geopolitical reasons. Yeah. This is very strange, and I think it actually gets stranger towards the end of the episode, and I'll p- we'll talk about that when it happens, because there's some weird arm stuff later. I'm like, what the what? Uh, so this is very, very confusing. So then we cut outside the Capitol. Mac and Charlie are walking. I guess they're headed to meet Karos, and Charlie said he's heard all about this guy. He can turn villagers into Green Berets in, like, a couple weeks. Max says he's known him for a while, so again, presumably this guy's immortal. Right. Um, but Mac won't tell Charlie any more about him for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Uh, and then Charlie hits him with a real sick burn. He's like, you're a real public library, man. Does that mean homeless people use him as a toilet? Yes, and? And to masturbate. And to masturbate. Yeah, we can't wait. Let's not that forget up. that. So we're back inside uh, and more ADR of the news reporter. But the reporter is accusing Carlos from breaking a, tr- a truce, I guess, that they ha- had. And he attacks some of Borchek's tanks. Karis's response is like, why would we do that? Like, you, you're not going to send these men against tanks right. with, like, knives. This is silly. Yeah. So also in the Capitol building, it's nice because there's some very blatant signs in the background that just say Robinson Square Conference Center. Uh, can, <laughs> can we talk for a second about that reporter's voice? Absolutely. And his face? <laughs> and everything about him and yeah. the weird way that they shoot that reporter? Yeah. Okay. Like the, a first-person perspective? Yeah. So much is weird about the way they do this. First off, his voice I, can't, I don't even know where to start. Do we, have, like, do we have a clip of this guy's voice? It's rumored that the truce was broken by your attack on a tank battalion. He's like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. It's like an alien came down seeing, like, 50s news anchors and tried to do an impression of it. And then, like, whenever he's asking a question and, like, sticks a microphone in someone's face, like, the camera then switches to a weird POV shot of this reporter, which is just bonkers. And it's all just terribly ADR'd. It sounds like literally it's coming from another planet. It's really weird. It takes you out of it. Yeah, like, it's utterly, strange. utterly. I was not that far in, and it removed me. <laughs> like, I was pretty far removed, and I'm like, the next county over. We get the buzz, and Mac shows up. Karos takes note, and he says to the reporter, he's like, I've always been cast in the role of warrior, but those who know me, and he gives Mac a kind of knowing glance, he's like, know me as a man, man of, of peace. peace. Boom, hmm. flashback. We're in Mexico, 1867. My first thing I want to point out, Mac has been busy. It's 1867. The U.S. Civil War has just ended, and now he's going to participate in battle in Mexico. He's like nonstop warfare at this point. And I guess is that what we're supposed to, like, he then goes to fight in this war. And throughout this episode, he kind of expresses a lot of reservations about continuing to fight. Is this supposed to be, like, the thing that transforms him into a man of peace? Is that where we're supposed to be going with this? Like, right after this, it's right before he would have then gone to, it was, what, 1878? He ends up with the Sioux. 1872. Oh, 72. So this is only 1867. Yeah. Yeah. So So this could be right before he decides to... Yeah. Covers a lot of real estate. Mm -hmm. But he is fighting with a Mexican revolutionary group. So Karis gallops up in a do-rag. Yeah. <laughs> and his do-rag is like, viva la revolucion! Yeah. So Mac is worried that he's on the right side. Karis is like, oh, you're becoming a pacifist or whatever. Also, I really like Mac's look I was just going to say, Mac looks amazing. Yeah. He's got like the must. He's got like a mustache <laughs> and like a, like a soul patch. Yeah. In any case, he's got that. He's got like a cool hat. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. He looks kind of badass. Basically, he's uh, Emperor Maximilian at this time is ruling over Mexico, and he's about to be ousted. But Mac thinks that he would leave on his own if they yeah, didn't that, push it that hard. Yeah, so we get to find out some backstory on Kairos. Uh We find out that he was a Roman slave. 
Uh, he was forced to like fight in the gladiator pits. Uh, he knew Spartacus. Yes. This is so stupid. <laughs> this is so dumb. He's like, oh, I'm the revolutionary guy. I learned everything I know from Spartacus. The way he could lead those men. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, ugh. Are either of you Spartacus? Right. Oh, 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 I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. Wait, no, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> what about I'm you, Amy? Spartacus? Amy, are you the only one who, here who isn't Spartacus? I'm not Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> There's just one sniveling guy in the yeah. back. <laughs> I'm not Spartacus. Uh. But then, of course, Mac points out that all those guys got crucified. <laughs> yes. Mac is worried that like his ideals, battling for freedom or whatever, is kind of maybe clouding his compassion. And for all, There's all these things that like he, this guy is too driven by the single cause, and he's not seeing the big picture. Yeah. Uh, so he says, time can make you a liar. Time can make you a liar. So anyway, then we cut to a battle. This is pretty rad. I think this looks pretty great. Yeah. Lots of extras and everything like fine. that. Yeah. yeah. I guess it does look yeah. <laughs> fine. But Mac brings a wounded soldier to this girl, I guess, who's acting as a nurse. Uh, acting is a strong word for what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. This one is very pretty and a very poor actor. <laughs> wow. I agree. No, uh, she's not a good actor. Yeah. Kind of rough. She keeps on like harping on this idea that only peasants die in wars. She yeah. says that various times throughout this episode. They play it up like that's false. That's actually kind of true. But I digress. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. in in most wars, like uh, poor people fight them for you know other people's causes. So she's actually strangely on the nose, despite the fact that the kind of thesis of this episode proves her wrong somehow. Still largely true. Well, I guess we find out, did she leave university to come and join this? She did. Yes. Yeah. She thought it would be all worth dying for, but then after seeing all this death and carnage, she was like, well, what's good of being free if you're dead? Which is in some ways true. Yeah. Like, But also, some of these people it? are fighting for future people mm-hmm. to right. be free. Yeah, but uh. she, she's like not convinced that these people are doing the right thing, I guess, or right. that, that it's worth it. Meanwhile, we should also just take a minute to appreciate the wounded victim that Mac is bringing. His like giant 10-gallon hat that he's wearing yeah, is, is amazing <laughs> yeah it's pretty delightful so we cut back to the present and the tv reporter is saying Karis is leading his people to die just so we can get on the news like this guy's all about headlines for his cause so while he's giving this interview this like armed dude saunters his way into yeah. the capital with like, like a beret yeah it's like, yeah it's like no good guy wears a beret yeah. <laughs> so he looks like one of the joker's henchmen oh he's yeah not wearing he totally a, a does coat. yeah the other thing <laughs> is they're like, actually here to improve the paintings yeah, yeah. party man <laughs> Party man. Oh, also, this is supposed to be the capital. Obviously, we're not of in what? Uh, yeah, obviously, yeah. like we're not in Washington what is this DC. Building. So it's, it's the like, Robinson Center Conference yeah. Robinson <laughs> Conference Center. Yeah. Like this building that they're in with like these giant columns. It kind of looks like a courthouse. Yeah, it does. But they make so it's like the congressman's office. That's it. What is this? Yeah, what so if it's the if it's the state capitol building, I mean, here in Philadelphia area, New Jersey, like congressmen have their own office. Like it's like just an office. Like, like normal humans. Yeah. Like it's either in an office building, it's its own physical structure like he's obviously not seeing a state congressman because a state right. congressman can't lift an arms embargo yeah assuming that even made any goddamn sense to begin yeah. with so i don't even know why they're at the capitol the congressman isn't here <laughs> like yeah they fucked up yeah. i just don't understand what's supposed to be happening here <laughs> also like mac just kind of walks into the the shot on the news which i thought <laughs> was kind of weird he just like walks behind the press conference he's just standing around in the back like he's just photobombing yeah he wants to say like say hey turn the channel <laughs> like channel six later <laughs> tonight i'm on the news richie <laughs> like <laughs> also where's richie anyway very good uh so this well, goes well, at least starts... now we know that c coover has its own congressman 
Yeah. Oh, I guess mm. so. I mean, and, and perhaps it, the capital is Seacouver, or did maybe, they? Maybe they, they travel. They must have had to travel pretty yeah. far. And are they like in another state, or are there fifty-one states in the Highlander universe? Now we're oh. talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> I like this universe. This is what season three is bringing you out there. Fifty-one states, <laughs> Highlander universe. This really is a sci-fi story. Canon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Amazing. so this guy starts blasting, uh, and he shoots the... Uh... He's jerking off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he shoots the uh, the priest, and Mac, of course, goes in chase. But, yeah, he runs guy. after him. So he, like, trips this guy up on a step. Then this guy turns around and it shoots, shoots Mac, like, yeah. what seems to be, like, in the heart. He yeah. shoots him, if not in the heart, in the chest. Mac gets blasted, blasted. down, and then he gets <laughs> right back. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he gets... oh. What? Yeah. Like, doesn't he, like, go to, like, tackle the guy and get, like kicked across yeah. the steps yeah like mac oh, goes yeah. flying this guy houses mac so we cut to the hospital the priest is being led into surgery and we get to meet ann Lindsay, and she's i guess the surgeon here i don't know if i think this is neat or not again who knows if they really plan on her to be a future love interest for mac spoiler alert but like in some ways it is kind of interesting storytelling to have a weird throwaway character that's like backgroundy make their way into the story more because it does not feel at all like they will become an item in this episode nope. and so it's like kind of a fun a different way to introduce a character which is part of the reason why i don't think they planned on it yeah like i mean and the only romance i was focused on in this episode is like the romance between the mortician and <laughs> and those bodies and those bodies and uh, that's really the, the, the romance i'm pushing that also in Lindsay, when she's operating in this priest says you know oh i work in the seacouver er like we I've had four shootings here already. I'm three for four. They're from something. the zone. <laughs> All the zone. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> I, that seems a little far fetched to me. Maybe it's not. Like, would they really give the same like surgeon four shootings in one day? Maybe they would. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's just that good. Yeah, Seacover's a rough place. Well, Seacover's like, whatever the plot needs it to be. Yep. It's either a beautiful place or it's Adjacent. a goddamn crime wasteland. Yeah. And also, I think it travels around, because sometimes yeah. it's near mountains, sometimes it's not. Yeah. It's always got rivers. Mm-hmm. Karos is there, and he wants the father to get better as soon as possible so he can talk to the press. Again, this is all about the press. Buzz, Mac comes in, uh, and they hug each other. It's been a while since they've seen each other. So we cut back to Mac's loft, and I guess they've all kind of headed back there. It's uh, Mora and... Karos. These names really <laughs> Miss Bad Guy and Mr. Bad Guy. Yeah. Well, I guess they're not actually together. Charlie. No. Charlie. At and first I thought they D-Mac. were. Yeah. He says at some point, she's been with me since this happened. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, man, Charlie, you're bold. Like, you're really coming on to this woman. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. there's so many extreme close-ups throughout this entire thing where it's just like yeah. really up front and center on people's faces. I thought she was an attractive lady. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very good. We find out that Char- <laughs> very good. We find out that Charlie was in El Salvador at the same time as Caros. In but some he said type he didn't pick a side. He was like, I was, was an, a, an advisor to, to who? who? Yeah. Right. I'm Not assuming. Sure. I guess that, in the negotiations. Or? I'm assuming he was. They were on opposite sides of the whole thing. And he, but he was like being like, oh, I'm not really on their side. I'm uh, just an advisor. Interesting. Like I wasn't fighting. I was just mm. there to teach the South Vietnamese how to fight the North Vietnamese. Mm. Uh, wah, wah. Um, Max you know. being his usual smug self. Charlie's like, I didn't know up from down there. And he was like, but there was like right from wrong. Right. And then Max like. That's what the Spencers want you to believe. <laughs> also, at some point, Mara says, sometimes a free press means free to be murdered. And I was Ooh. like, 
What? That that doesn't sound like a free press. Yeah. Mac and Karos are drinking quite a bit. I also noticed that Mac has a sticks out. Yes, I noticed that too. It's the grand illusion. <laughs> it's a good one, man. It's mm-hmm. a very good one. Good taste, yeah. Mac. Yep. So I guess uh, when he's not listening to MIDI recordings of Sidney Bechet, <laughs> he's listening to sticks. Listen to some sticks. <laughs> Just remember that. It's a grand delusion, <laughs> and deep inside we're all the same. Oh, Dennis the Young, you're in the, in the all studio. All the same. <laughs> Dennis, the Young. Yeah. Dennis, did you give Highlander permission to use your album in the shot? No. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, uh, so there's, I think there's a, another bit of clever dialogue here. Karos finishes his drink twice, and he's like, oh, my, my glass is empty. And Mac is like, so it is. Like, so I think this is a trying to reference like his maybe bleak look on life yeah. or something, which Max, is pretty good. I think extra smug in this scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, also, Karis <laughs> is an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, are having like a weird discussion. Like, Karis is really romanticizing his prior revolutionary experiences. It's like all you needed was like a couple men, and like you could just do all this great stuff. But now it's so complicated. It's all about money. You need all this technology. Yada yada yada. And as Mac points out, like. It was always about money. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Uh, so apparently they're staying at a friend's mansion. They they drop that at some point. Like, oh, where are you staying in town? Oh, uh, someone we know has a mansion. Uh, so that's our next scene. We cut to the mansion. Karos is having another glass of alcohol. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's saying that he wants to use the father, like the father's shooting incident to get more attention for their cause. And at some point he does, I think, reveal to Mar- Mara? 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 Mara. Moira McTaggart. Moira McTaggart. He reveals that that I guess that they were responsible for the attack on those tanks that broke the truce. Right. And he was like, but it's justified because it brings attention to our cause and it's for the right thing, even though that's bad stuff that he did. Yeah. And he's been teasing that even though he's been talking, oh, I'm a man of peace. If Borchek wants to negotiate, I'll negotiate. He's like, you can't negotiate with a man like Borchek. This will only end when he's dead. And also, as far as, like, what the people know, he ends up saying, you never confuse people with what they don't need to know. And Mara points out, isn't that something Borchek said? Like, so he ends up, like, quoting his enemy. Yeah. Uh, so he is definitely on some sort of slippery slope into becoming what he has fought against. Hmm. Mm, too Borchek. bad. I like saying his name. Borchek. Borchek yourself before Borrek yourself. That's it. <laughs> oh, is that, is that from the warrior poet Ice Cube? It is. <laughs> Break time. I am a diehard Highlander fan. I love Highlander so much, and I am a huge fan of this podcast, de facto, because I'm a member of it. How can I show my support and get some really cool shit in the process? Oh, there is one really great way you can support this podcast and support your love of Highlander by heading on over to our Facebook page and picking up a set of our awesome new Highlander magnets, uh, which are available for the price of $25 plus shipping and handling. What do you get for that amazing price? It's an awesome collection of five magnets featuring all your favorite characters. We've got Duncan McLeod, Amanda, Joe, Mythos, and a really cool alternate 1600 Scottish Highlands McLeod. Awesome. Eamon, who made these things? Like, what awesome artist somewhere made these things? It was me. Yay! I made them with the help of you guys and Davis Panzer Productions. Definitely. These are fully authorized Highlander merchandise from the Highlander Rewatch podcast. Yeah! Uh, And if you're an international listener, we can ship these internationally now. Uh, So don't buy them from our Facebook page, but head over to Etsy.com and just search for Highlander Rewatch. And if you place your order through Etsy, we can ship anywhere in the world. Well, I... 
pretty much wherever Etsy can ship, wherever FedEx or whoever's going to ship it can ship. We can't we can- ship to the planet Zeist. Nope, though. no shipping to Zeist. No. All right, so Kairos, Koros, Kairos, Kalos, Kairos, Kalos gets a call. Kairos gets a call. This is the, the beginning Dr. of your Seuss. new Doctor Seuss yeah. story. Kairos gets a call. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, the calls you'll get. <laughs> Uh, so he gets a phone call. Uh, we're not really sure what it is, but he says uh, one other people has proof of Borachek's involvement in this whole thing. So mm-hmm. he's going to split and investigate this lead. Yeah. yeah, not to belabor this Dr. Seuss point, mm-hmm. but he was a famous war propagandist. So actually, Karras and Dr. Seuss might have been best buds. Yeah, <laughs> we cut to the docks, and this oh, is are these the East docks? The docks once again. Yeah, we're always, always going to the docks. Nothing good happens at the docks. Uh, so Karras Every- is there meeting this like ginger who's reading like a newspaper. <laughs> And this, I think, is really funny. He looks a little, it took me a second to realize that he is Beret Man, but he's yes. Beret Man. This begins. is Beret Man. Or but, this is really Beret Man ends, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is like the staging of this I find really funny because this guy drives up in his car, gets out, and like saunters over to the edge of the dock to casually read a newspaper. But like the camera pulls back. Borchek, or not Borchek, uh, what's his name? Karras. Is literally standing right there. Yeah. So like... Did he not see him, or he did and was just like, I'm just going to walk over here and nonchalantly read a paper? It's really odd. At first, I was thinking, like, oh, they're going to do that shtick where they're like going to pretend they're not talking to each other. Like, on, no. an, on an abandoned dock, dock. where no one else is yeah. around. That's, like, what they're doing. It's, like, it was written in the script that way to be done on, like, a crowd, like, a, a bus bench or something. But, yeah. no, they do it where no one else is around. So, But they're still pretending. Oh, I didn't see you there. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, they immediately drop it and are very clearly addressing each other. Yeah. Kara says, like, see these munitions here? And there's these, like, big shipping containers. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, cost me a lot, awful lot of money. Now I needed a dead priest to push Congress into stopping the arms embargo. What, what the <laughs> fuck is this about? None of this makes any sense. No, he's upset because he wants to make the priest a martyr. He thinks that if the priest dies, Congress will decide to start funneling arms to overturn a government. But he thinks that if he does not die, there will not be sufficient outrage to get that point across. Mm. So he's upset with the assassin for failing to finish the job. That's... I mean, I'm not saying that makes sense, but that is what is being communicated. So he has purchased all these arms ahead of time. Presumably, maybe before the embargo happened? Because why would he buy them knowing the embargo is in place? From whom? And from whom? And then also, like, he seems to do a bunch of other shady shit, and he's like, whatever, for the cause. But he's like, you know what? I gotta ship this shit legally, so we can't have a trade embargo? Like, also, I don't know how How easily you you can ship arms period yeah, well, period like, how do you can even how can you even buy them it's something he's like just buying guns but it seems like they have guns he yeah. needs like military hardware they're not, they're not gonna let you buy it if you don't have clearance to no and it's yeah. all black market anyway at which point if you're like going through uh, illegal yeah. channels why are you also petitioning congress yeah. i don't understand it's, it. it's so complicated yep. yeah Makes no there's sense. a lot <laughs> going on here and it's all just like he should be talking to the CIA, not Congress. Yeah, right. So let's talk more about Iran Contra. Okay. <laughs> uh, so then, Karas uh, gives him a envelope. I guess he's going to he pay him like, his money. Throws it on the ground. Yeah. What is? The, I laughed so hard about that because the, the it's literally just an envelope with yeah. like nothing in it. And it's mm-hmm. like, what does an, a, a political assassination cost you? Like one Best Buy gift card? Like <laughs> this is the cheapest political assassination ever. What's he paying him in? Yeah, he wrote, and, him, he wrote him a check. <laughs> is that it? Check. You know, <laughs> personal chip. One assassination, yeah. please. That's just yep. what it says in the byline. <laughs> For assassination. For, it just says like assassination and then a picture of a dick. 
is yeah. what is written there. So, like, what is that about? Mm-hmm. I have that, no clue no, no, what's no. going on here. And it's then, like, at least give him a fat envelope that yeah. looks like it could be full of money. But he, it's full of money because he says count it. He yeah. instructs right. him to count it. So what is in there? A hundred bucks. One million dollar bill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go ahead, count it. <laughs> One half-eaten craft cheese single. Like, also, like that's the oldest trick in the book to like throw something on the ground so you have to bend over to get it. Like, don't bend over. Like, don't bend over. Your assassin should be smarter than the that. darkness. Yeah. Thirty-two. Don't, don't bend, bend over. over. So this guy who's like a trained assassin, presumably, gets tricked by picking up a thing slowly on the ground, mm-hmm. and a guy pulls out a sword. And kills him with it. Mm-hmm. This guy is not, like, the sharpest tool in the shed. And also, like, he uses his own sword to do it. It's obviously, like, a kind of gruesome way to go. Yeah. All of it's very odd. Yeah. Yep. So then we cut to Amori, and we get to meet a very colorful character who, uh, as he says, every stiff tells a story. The Darkness 33, every <laughs> stiff tells a story. Uh, so we have got to listen to this clip because this is crazy. It's kind of magic. <laughs> so Mac has come in to identify the body of the assassin. Sort of. That's his, that's his game. Yeah. Detective Gord late. You know what they say about cops when you need them. What? Every stiff tells a story. Why is he We've got a whole encyclopedia <laughs> down here tonight. Oh, sorry. Licorice, do you want some? <laughs> and why is there a still cam on the other side of the room? Stabbings. We've even got a natural causes somewhere. But this one is really something. Hope you're decent. Uh, <laughs> this guy needs to be fired. I hear. <laughs> He's shot a priest. He's dead. No wonder someone was mad at you. Ah, oh, but he's been good as gold for us down here. He's just chomping. He's away just at the chomping at Swizzler. Yeah. Are they red pines? Oh, oh. That might be the most Any interesting thing in this is? episode. Yeah. I think I heard a name. Dorchev. Yes, Anthony Dorchev. He's from out of town. Europe somewhere. The Balkans? Yes, Balkans? that's the place. That's the geographic Thanks. region. Yeah. So the doctor knew that this guy had been, like, They've ID'd this guy. I know. I've got some issues with that. Something like this? What do you mean? Why? I mean, cut, sliced, like a tomato. Eat your tomato. Too. See the severing? What, what's that? Along the connection to their previous episode. Mm-hmm. It's all sorry you mess with the priest, aren't you? Please. <laughs> ah, cavalry's here. Morning, Detective Gord. I was just telling us. Uh, uh, Ken Gord? It's him. Probably. Holy smokes, man. What is any... Hey, is that the last time you're going to see that guy? No, sadly. I actually liked this guy. (laughs) (laughs) This is such a crazy character. Yeah. He's bonkers. He's insane. Again, this this character seems so over the top, I expect to see him more. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, in more episodes. Like, this seems like, oh, we're introducing, like, this guy that maybe helps Duncan out with Mm -hmm. weird detective-y things via the morgue? I don't know. It's strange. I don't, he has so much characterization to him. He's eating. Yeah. He's like goofy. He's wisecracking. I like to imagine that all that is improv and that guy just added it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. The actor's name is Bernard Cuffling. His performance was so notable, I looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> this entire episode, to me, I feel like they really blew their budget on the last two episodes. They like spent a lot of money in the flashback on this episode, probably cost some money. So everything in modern day in this episode 
is filmed like film like a bottle episode. Oh yeah, like, like the this, camera in this scene stays in the corner half the time. It looks like yeah. it's a security camera footage. It yeah. does, Awful. and then the camera moves to like it's if there's like two shots in this entire scene that we just watched. It's like everything seems like it was super cost conscious. Just grind it out. They certainly didn't do a bunch of rewrites on the script. (laughs) This feels like a budget redeeming episode. Yeah. uh, So Duncan is there. Is he there to ID the guy? Does he ever identify this guy to the mortician? I I just was like, and he says it's him. Yeah. But this guy tells him like his name and stuff like which he probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, But like in some way, like they were able to get an ID off this guy. Like, I guess he had his wallet on him. What is Duncan here for? Uh A couple things. One. I don't think he's actually officially there to ID the body, which is why he storms out as soon as the detective comes. I think that was his line to get in. See what's going on. To see what's going on, because he wants to investigate. That is point one. Second, insofar as that's false, and he is actually there to ID this person, I don't think he's there to, like, say, who is this guy? He's there to say, this is the guy guy who shot the priest. Right. But this guy is the one who said it, like, who was introducing that thing. Yeah. I guess the thing that I don't really understand is, since they know this guy, at the end of the episode, we end up finding out that, spoiler alert, Karis? Dorchev. Whatever his name is. is goons. Right. But since they know this guy's name, like, I feel like this puzzle would be put together by everybody real quick. Yeah. Like, they know who this guy is. Like, Unless he was always operating in the shadows, but, I mean, Mara knew who he, who he was. Well, Mara is, like, an active participant in this underground struggle. Yeah. Like, U.S. cops are going to be like, oh, this guy's a major operative in, like, this unknown Balkans country. <laughs> like, I guess so. There's but no, I, mean, they, I think maybe the press might uncover a little of this. Maybe. That's going to be a work-intensive and dubious yeah. process. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like a big mystery. If it wasn't for this silly man in the morgue, <laughs> silly man having this morbid interest in sharing how this guy died with McLeod, like, which Mac was not interested in hanging around. Yeah, here. he was trying to get out, and I'm like, oh well, this guy gave you the, the clue. Most interesting part, yeah, like, like a tomato. Mac might not have put this together if he didn't, if that mortician didn't like show him the wound. Right, interesting. Mortician Adams. That's right. <laughs> Uh, so out in the hallway of the uh, the morgue, I guess in the basement of the hospital or whatever, Karos is out there and he's talking to reporters and he says this is murder, what was being done to the priest. This isn't like war. You know, mm-hmm. this is something different than that, like a personal vendetta. Or I assume this was actually separate. They're at the hospital now. Because why would he be at the morgue? Yeah. Is that where he is? Or are they at the hospital? I don't know. I think the morgue is at the hospital. Oh. Okay. Which, I think it's the same location. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they definitely shot it at the same location. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I don't no, think it's supposed to be. I think, I think it's the same place. Yeah. This was That's confusing. Fair. I was like, what? Yeah. Why? Uh, so then we get a flashback to Mexico, and Mac and Karos are fighting some soldiers. Karos keeps wants to, like, press on and, I guess, kill the emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mac is like, we've won. This isn't our revolution. It's theirs. Like, we should kind of stand to the sidelines. Like, we helped. But uh, since we're immortal, this isn't kind of our fight. Also, they're foreigners in yeah. this land. Like, they're just kind of helping the cause. And Karos is like, I want to kill the emperor with my own hands. Yeah. And he's yeah, like, he's... it's my revolution. And he rides off. Yeah. And he, he like, throws one of these guys off a horse. It's like, yeah. that guy, that was easy. Yeah. Uh, so then Mac that. meets up with the, the girl who was dying, or, or not dying earlier. <laughs> she's dying now. Elda. Yeah. Elda, that's her name. And yeah. she's now dying. She, like, yes. got shot or something. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it doesn't seem like she's at she's the hospital there. anymore. Yeah. Like, maybe the hospital gets overrun as part of the battle, and that's yeah. why they're there. But it seems like she's just, like, straight up on the battlefield. On the battlefield. Yeah. Maybe she was there trying to heal the wounded? Well, that makes sense. I guess. It's, it's like, it is a little jarring that she's there. Yeah. yeah. Or she decided to join the fight. Uh, but then she's like, she's kind of had a change of heart again, it would seem. Yeah. She's like, ask me if it was worth it. Was that worth it? 
or like ask me if I do it again. And she's like, yes. And then she dies. <laughs> she dies. With this, no like explanation. Yeah. Well, she's clearly been shot. Yeah. But yeah. like, well, explanation to why the, the change why she happened. Changed because like, well, she, she's introduced so, as this character that's like, when I was in university, I thought this would be a noble cause. Now that I'm here on the ground seeing the carnage, maybe it's not. And then like, she a says, scene, like I'm not so sure. But right. then, and I'll, then a scene later, she's like, no, it's worth it. It's like, well, okay. like, she's now paying the price and she makes the decision that it was worth it. But of course, like when you're dying, you want your death to have meaning. I but guess so. like, yeah, you know, that seems like a good motivation. And Duncan's just like, just no, so- your life was meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says. I just want you to know my life was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> this sucks. I should have boozed and banged around more. <laughs> Gotta meet that raw dog Ryan. <laughs> That's right. I wish I lived long enough to meet raw dog Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> she's very attractive oh, if yeah. i may make a inappropriate comment <laughs> there you go well she's clearly in it because she's attractive yeah. it's not because she's a skilled actress <laughs> so we're back she's, to the back i, I the cannot hospital. say enough how yeah. off-putting i found her performance she's wow. bad. <laughs> uh so then we're back in the hospital and ann Lindsay, dr ann Lindsay, comes down and she is like oh the vultures are here so she's oh like, no you didn't <laughs> so she's kicking out all the press and she's yeah. like this is ridiculous karis literally says there's a martyr dying in there isn't that weird it's like oh yeah you're you're not sinister yeah <laughs> you're a great guy well, Anne, Anne mentions it. Like, she knows exactly, I know exactly what he's what up what to. I know exactly what you're doing, mister. Yeah, and I that he's exploiting us. Yeah. She's got a lot of attitude. And I feel like, historically, people do not like Anne Lindsay. Really? No. I mean, I'm curious to see them again now. Yeah, me I, too. I don't remember having negative thoughts about her. Yeah. She's got a lot of toot with Mac. And she's got I, some moxie. Yeah, she does have moxie. And I'm kind of curious, though, since this is the way she's introduced mm-hmm. and perhaps maybe she was not intended to be a love interest based on this first episode. If they had known that, would they have introduced her a little softer? That's like the, uh, the thing I, I thought you were supposed to like about this. Yeah. character. She's like, <laughs> she's no, like, no, no bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. I'm like helping my patient. I'm a serious surgeon. Like you don't, mess with me and like i'm not gonna let you politicize this man's life this is all like thumbs up oh no i think that's all thumbs up i think it's maybe when she's kicking out mac that like people are like well don't don't talk to mac like that who knows i don't know that was like flirty and fun was it? I didn't. I didn't pick up that it was flirty. Well, not Mac on her, is definitely not on Mac is definitely flirting, yeah. and she's but on like, his part. yeah, she's like, okay, but you still gotta go. Yeah, like I meant him. He's like making funny faces and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, flirting. Yeah, yeah, that's how flirting works, right? <laughs> yeah, funny that's faces. right. <laughs> doing a lot of eyebrow stuff, like Groucho Marx. The listener can't see the eyebrow things. Oh, it's good doing. though. Good eyebrow things. <laughs> yeah, that's the. That's why you're the master flirter. Ain't that's right. <laughs> we forgot to mention the the line that she uses to kick Mac out. What? Oh, are you the one with special dispensation from the Pope? <laughs> Which I guess really hits home to Mac because yeah. he's a Catholic. Yeah, we, yeah. Now he's that we've discovered he's a practicing Catholic. Catholic yeah. <laughs> As we learned from bad priests. Yeah. So Mac gets kicked out. And then we cut to the mansion. Uh, and Charlie has stopped by to see Mara. Charlie wants to actually help Carlos. Charlie's no, definitely like... No, he, he just wants to help Mara. So the doorbell rings and there's like a bunch of reporters out there. Yeah. Who she just gladly opens the door for. Yeah, because I guess she's on to, into the reporter thing too. Yeah. Just like Carlos is. Ex-journalist or whatever, oh, right? right. So I guess they're like, what's Karos's, uh response to the news? And it's like, ooh, what news could this be? We're yeah, not sure you didn't yet. say it enough like the weird ADR camera. <laughs> yeah. What's Karis' response to the news? He sounds, yeah. he sounds like a shitty anime character. Yeah. <laughs> He's like a himself. South Park character. Yeah. With, again, another weird POV shot. Yeah. So, Morris. Morris? <laughs> I've combined both their <laughs> names. I have a real hard time with these characters' names. You do. 
Kairos and Mac are walking and talking on like a dock, which I guess turns out to just be more docks. He's he, they're in like their backyard in the mansion, yeah. I think. Like this is their personal riverbank mm-hmm. and dock. So Mac is getting increasingly suspicious. But Borchek decides to call Karis's bluff. Because he had been saying on the news, you know, I'll talk to him anytime, anyplace. If he wants to talk peace, I'm a man of peace, yada, yada, yada. So who shows up at the mansion but Borchek and his cabinet? Yeah, like, and a ton of press. Why is Borchek also in america good question i think he heard i think he hears him say this stuff like yesterday or the day before hops on a fucking plane and it's like all right yeah like you're trying to take control of the story you're trying to like martyr this guy i'm here we're doing this thing i think that's the yeah the move so i think that's why he's here he's not here in an unrelated capacity so it's very tense and it's Mm -hmm. like do you accept peace and wait for it. Yep. And so they hug and kiss. Yep. Well, Borchek puts his hand out to shake hands. Right. And like, then Karo's like kisses him on the cheek and like kind of menacingly grabs his head. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Borchek's like not quite looking in Karo's face. <laughs> it seems like the actor was like nervous in this scene or something. He was like looking askance. It's really weird. Borchek's sideburns, man, are like out of control. And like, he kind of looks like exactly how i pictured him minus the sideburns <laughs> they cut to the dojo and charlie has brought mara some champagne i guess they want to celebrate the new piece mm-hmm. uh but mara has been is worried i guess she's worried that she's been at war too long to even know how to make peace mm. Mm. then mac and charlie are playing chess yeah and drinking like mugs of beer yeah. <laughs> this is a different uh i don't know interaction that we've seen normally well i think it's supposed to mirror the in the, we're about to get a flashback where he's drinking with Karis. And That's I think right. That's supposed to be the connection. Yeah. Totally. Well, that makes sense. They're playing chess, which is a war game. Then they translate to them drinking after a literal war. I think that's supposed to be yeah, the that's good. parody there. So Charlie is thinking about joining the fight, and he wants to like go over to the Balkans. Karis can use me. Right. And Max like, watch Why? out for him. Because it's what Charlie does. I get that he's like a fighter, but we know nothing about this revolution. We know nothing yeah. about Borchek. All we know is that Karos is an asshole. Yeah. What is any of this about? I think what you said, Kyle, is he just wants to get with Mara. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true. Yeah. But, like, spoiler alert, he ultimately does go to do this thing. And, yeah. like thinks it's really important and thinks he can even convince Mac to go. And it's like, why? We're never like told like Borachek is like really a bad guy, except from Karos, who we know is like a bad guy. Yeah. Like they're not like, oh, Borachek has been committing genocide against his own people. I mean, something like that. It's like, okay, yeah. whatever it is. We don't even know if he's like a corruptly, like, is this a democracy? Is it not? He's who knows? a president. So yeah, yeah I guess it's Maybe some ways. it could be a sham democracy, but like, you know. Yeah. They, they could have so easily been written to just explain something that he's doing that's bad yeah. we just know nothing about the struggle that we're supposed to be invested in it's like zeist zeist borachek maybe this is he's, it yeah no general Borch. president katana president so then, but katana. then we know like charlie's aligning himself with this weird like you know rebel faction like who knows what these guys are i mean they're led by kara so i'm like are they good? Mm, they're actually like a, a serious Catholic fundamentalist regime. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what it's all about. That's so we- what it's all about. Hey, Rewatchers. This is Kyle reminding you to follow us on Facebook. And you know what? While you're at it, you should subscribe to our podcast through iTunes. That's the by far the easiest way to listen to us. And automatically, every time we get a new episode, poop. It'll appear right on your phone. So make sure you subscribe to us. And while you're at it, give us a nice, juicy five-star review. Juicy!
So then we get a flash, flash, flashback, flashback, a flashback, back to Mexico, and Karos is going to execute the Emperor's soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and chest Mac- dissolve is pretty good. Yeah, they like dissolve cool. through the chessboard. That's a, that's a highlight in this episode. Definitely. So Mac is trying to stop Karos from doing this execution because mm-hmm. he's like, this is ridiculous. He's like, the war is won. It's all over. These are not like really your enemies. These are just like, as you said, like boys in uniform. They were just doing their job. Let them go. Uh, but Karos is like, nope, nope, nope. And everybody gets shot. Which, it's, this is dark. Yeah. It is dark. This is like really dark. And I'm like, well, th- here. What do you expect like, from Durag Karis? Yeah. <laughs> this like just cements that Karis is like an evil man. Yeah. He is just kind of a killer. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh, they do the same to us. Like, it's like, oh, great. Like, <laughs> okay. So a little bit later in Mexico, Mac plays the harmonica. Harmonica Mac. He's yeah. crushing those Harmonac. 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 <laughs> it's like Ben Franklin. He wrote that Farmer's Harmonac. Yeah, that's right. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we should play. Should we play this clip? We haven't played many. Poor clips. Richard's Farmanac. Yeah. Damn it. That's okay. Poor Richie's Farmanac. Oh. Poor Richie Ryan's Farmanac. <laughs> How far can we take this? I think we've taken it. As far as it can go. No, no one wants to go poor, poor Raw Dog Richie's. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Do we want to listen to this clip? Yeah. Yes. This is like a well-shot scene. Owner? Wine. Owner? Nobody's there. Where is he? A dog. He's probably out celebrating. He's dead, Paul. Well... We'll celebrate anyways. Celebrate what? With who? Look around you. All our friends are dead. What have we won? Freedom. For a bunch of dead men? They died nobly. The war was won. How many children would still have their fathers if we taught peace a few days ago? Oh, now they don't have to talk at all. Really? It's the price of war. Just war. It's worth it. Worth it. And a hundred years ago, you'd agreed with me. Probably. But now I think the noblest thing a man can do is live. This is like mm. a very good moment yeah. in an episode I hate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate this episode, but this is the best moment in this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Some and, good acting too, AP. Yeah, he's yeah. great in this scene. From the Associated <laughs> Press. The Associated yeah. Press. <laughs> hey, they have the freedom to be murdered too, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Corporate news, man. It's just like a well-composed, nicely shot scene. Mm-hmm. The set's really good. There's some good it's colors great. in this too. Yeah. Like I like all the there's like flashes of color in the background. The mm-hmm. set dressing's nice. I agree with kyle the episode doesn't live up to this scene this is a great scene and a kind of like meh episode it's a good concept too i mean this idea of someone that's been a warfighter and a revolutionary more importantly that they're like lost and like they can't they're lost in their cause yeah right there's like a lot of fertile ground here and it does like introduce it doesn't pay off but at least has like the like the seeds of a real moral question embedded in it and i think that's meaningful and useful yeah i don't know anything about the historic accuracy of this i mean in terms of this whole question of like we could have talked peace days ago and like blah 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 they're trying to oust emperor maximilian who was like installed largely by the french and then the french pulled out but maximilian stayed behind because he said like i'll do whatever like my supporters want me to do like actually monarchists like were like no like we like the conservative folks in mexico were like oh no we like want a king blah 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 so he decided to hang around and of course was like eventually caught and executed even though like the french when they pulled out like no no you should really come with us like it's time to bounce Mm. he decided to stay behind Mm. there is some historical accuracy to to the whole thing like he obviously decided to stay and fight and as to whether or not they could have talked peace any given point i don't know that but Mm. 
Interesting. Interesting. So we cut back to the morgue, uh, and this doctor's back again. But Mac and Mara are there, and I guess he wants to her to see the shooter because he's now suspicious of what this plot is. So it turns out Mara does know him, and she like storms out, and so now she knows that this whole thing was like an inside job set up set set up by Karos mm-hmm. Koros. You said it right the first time. I don't know. Why can't you say this? Is this actually uh, carrot? Carrot. Oh, carrot. carrot. All right, we're calling him carrot. I know I can remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Rob Schneider is a a carrot. carrot. (laughs) So outside the Capitol, Mara confronts Carrot. And Carrot uh, says he has a meeting with Congress. Again, huh? Uh, Like state Congress, who knows? Whatever the hell's going on here. Oh, Oh, also I had a note here that perhaps this is, again, part of the Zeiss timeline like the 51st state and that this is a whole new u.s government system oh. because the the back in time size timeline okay oh yeah, yeah. so that's where that's that's where it all started that's mm-hmm. where the branch began yeah yeah the that's how we got seagar seacouver yep seagar seagar <laughs> i like that that's like C- that's Sigour? A, a Sigour, yeah Sigour. It's, Sigour. it's actually the viking version mm-hmm. of the seagar <laughs> uh so mara pleads with him to take this piece and she says she knows what happens to father mm-hmm. stefan or steven or whatever his name is <laughs> who knows stefan stevens uh Urkel, no, he's, like, Stephon, he's, he's normally, St- <laughs> so he's normally <laughs> steven. so he goes to that machine and becomes <laughs> stefan <laughs> oh my god uh, <laughs> so anyway she's trying to essentially like use this as leverage blackmail to blackmail carrot into taking the piece yeah. she's like i will call a press conference i can do it too and she's like i'll let everyone know the shit you're up to carrot does not take this well no He's no. pissed. Uh, so He's Mac- a real baby character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so back at the dojo, uh, Mac has just come in, and Charlie's on the phone with Mara, mm-hmm. and she's telling him all about the shit that went down. She's like, uh-oh, it's definitely Carrot. Carrot's the one that did all this bad shit. So Charlie just repeats what we already heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Mac is like, uh-oh, that's a problem. She's in danger. Uh, yeah. So they both like hightail it over to the, the mansion. random mansion they're yeah. staying in. And so it uh, turns out there's like a bomb planted like, like on the gate. Like the wooden gate <laughs> which max somehow was like the instinct to check for yeah he say, somehow sees this his reflexes he sees are the like, wire yeah like when she opens the gate so anyway they're able to get there in the nick of time yeah for a drive-by yeah, yeah. then there's a shotgun drive-by yeah. committed by this? carrot no yes that's not carrot it's not no that Who is, is a different goon but then Carrot is nearby, like, observing. He is? I missed yeah. that. So. I thought Mac gets the buzz. And that then guy follows. did not look like no, Carrot. I don't, no, I agree. I don't think it even is him. No, but I think he it's gets the to buzz be. after the shotgun thing. Yeah. What's going on? I don't uh, know. It doesn't I don't make know, sense. But maybe try a drive-by that you can use with one hand so you can, like, steer. <laughs> At some point, it <laughs> Or maybe the guy driving doesn't have to be, like, <laughs> the one that's doing it. I'm like, yeah, it's insane. Hire well, two shotgun, guys. The shotgun drive-by. It's also, like, a pump-action shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, like, a very hand-intensive yep. thing. Like, I was just expecting the car to crash. It. This was insane. In the membrane. Insane in the membrane. <laughs> So I guess this guy was just waiting to see if the C4 would blow her up or not. And then he was like, oh, I guess it's not. And then he's... Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping not to have to do this. They actually just blew up the mailman. (laughs) And if they're going to have the guy just sitting right there, why not have him with a a detonator and just blow her up when she gets there? These are great questions. (laughs) Maybe they didn't have that kind of bomb. I guess not. You you make do with what you got. That's true. Their pipe bomb guy was like, I can only do tripwires. All right. So I I thought it was Carrot in the car, and Mac followed him to the docks. Carrot is just nearby, also observing it's yeah. like he just didn't trust that guy but like what <laughs> but who's matt going after and how does he know to go to the docks if he's not following carrot 
everyone's at the well, docks. Well, he is following That's just Carrot, default. but yeah, I don't know. Who fucking knows? <laughs> anyway, they end up at... Oh, yeah, see, oh, so this, this is a great episode, right? <laughs> so they end up back at the uh, X-Files shooting location at the docks. <laughs> They're actually uh, right near that basketball court. Yeah, this is near the basketball With no court. net. <laughs> they play a game of horse it's, before fighting. <laughs> it's actually like horse with no name. It's yeah. a court with no net. <laughs> Here we go. That's good. A horse named Karen. So they both get out of their cars, and it's fight time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start fighting, and there's there's like a lot of flipping around, jumping. Mac this does, is like uh, when he fought what's yeah. his name? Oh, uh, uh, Quentin Barnes. Quentin Barnes. Yeah. So it's, like a lot of shipping containers. Except less good. It's me, Quentin Barnes. Donkey Kong. He does a cool flip. Yeah. At one point, Mac does. Yeah. This fight is not great, though, is it? No. There is this super long, like still cam shot or stationary <laughs> shot of them just very slowly. Working their way up to the top of those shipping containers. It's like, this is straight up padding. <laughs> budget. These other episodes were budget breakers, and they had to make it up somewhere. Also, there are, like, literally open boxes of munitions, like, around, right? But, yeah, like, they like, knock a box over, and all these bullets, bullet, <laughs> like, belts there. fall down. Yeah. Wild. And as soon as I saw them, I was like, uh-oh. Like, yeah. I know it's coming now. Uh, so, anyway, Mac ends up defeating Carrot. Mm-hmm. Is there anything remarkable about this fight? Is there any, like the only thing that I've noticed that, that was remarkable about this fight was the decapitation. Yes, the decapitation yeah. is kind of cool and different. I like yeah. the flip that Mac does off the shipping container. He does like a backflip. Yeah. So like at some point, like Mac has Karis and is like sort up against his neck, and Carrot is like, "You won't do it. You won't slice this carrot." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's, <laughs> he's like it slices and it dices. Yeah. And then he does this weird like I, I'm, I'm even struggling to figure out how to describe it. He's got like the base of the blade like near his neck, and he mm. just kind of like he slides his he, arm like, forward and like it. steps towards the camera. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. a cool visual. Yeah, it definitely is. It. He says uh, there can be only one. That's true. Uh, so there can let, be only one carrot. Yeah. So Adrian Paul had some uh, thoughts and uh, some behind the scenes stories about the way they shot this. Oh. So let's take a listen to Mr. AP himself. Mr. Associated Press, enemy of the American people. The quickening of the beheading, I think, was some of the most powerful uh, beheading and quickenings we ever did. I agree the beheading's cool. The reason I I did the the head cut that way was because we'd we'd seen all the the slicing down and the upwards. We tried different ways of beheadings. And this one, I thought, is a very visual, strong action to actually pull a sword, which is a a very justifiable way of, of using a cut. Um, but the interesting thing is you actually, when looking at it, I didn't realize how powerful it was because you actually felt that blade go through his neck. Uh, and the quickening, my goodness, that was, <laughs> that was something else. I was standing on this um, cargo crate, which inside was filled with explosives. And behind me, about probably about 30 feet, were explosives. And when that thing went off... Uh, the entire gr- container shook, and I could feel like this heat behind me. And actually, somebody thought because I disappeared. Dennis Sperry, I believe, shot it, and he had the cameras way, way back and on a long lens. And at some point, you couldn't see me at all. They thought I'd actually gotten burnt, but there was a certain distance between the flames of that. And it was the the image was always powerful. And we've used that image over and over again, and it was. It was fun to see because we're like, whoa, that was cool. But I was relatively safe. <laughs> relatively. Relatively. <laughs> relatively. The quickening is cool in the explosions. I almost disagree with AP on this. I find this quickening a little boring. I like the what like the shot that they get of him like straight on with the huge explosion behind yeah, him. Yeah, it's cool. That's a great shot. Yeah. yeah. The rest of the quickening. Not so hot. 
Yeah, it, I don't they, know. they shoot a lot of it in like slow motion, and I think that's what does it to me. It's yeah. like I thought Russell McKay has a great filming style of these in the original movies, even the second movie, because that second quickening is really cool in the mm-hmm. the, the movie. Uh, the second movie I'm talking about, whatever I'm babbling about, uh, where just the whole fucking block explodes. That's uh, but amazing. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but like he does this thing where he shoots everything at the same time. Like he's yeah. got a million cameras. And so they do this like very quick event and then they stretch the time out and like show you every part of it. And they do definitely do some of that in the Highlander series. Uh, but it, like it punctuates, like there, there's a lot of action to it. And this is just like us slowly watching explosions happen. And it's like, yeah. ah, like slow explosions just aren't i don't know it didn't have any energy i didn't think uh and like maybe if the music was a little different or i don't know i could see i could see a slow quickening being more part of like an emotional episode like i didn't feel like duncan had any sort of emotional like he wasn't regretting killing this person i don't know it, it, it was just odd to me yeah it was odd though i will just say again that one shot oh yeah it's is- awesome righteous yeah. and there's a reason they keep using it it oh, looks yeah. awesome it's and in like, like all the opening credits so and all that Adrian's stuff really like playing it up like yeah. he's got his hand like way up in the air and it's like that is super cool oh one thing i didn't mention about during the fight carrot is oofing and awing like adr the whole time he's like <clears throat> uh, 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 uh. like it's really funny i don't know Spe- speaking of adr logan is oh yeah just came out for have people seen the video of Hugh Jackman recording sound effects for it? No. Oh, the, the, where he's like running. He's like running in place, and he's just like grunting and yelling. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like a really fun video. Wow. It's people should check it out. It's good. Oh yeah, it's good. Did either of you see that movie? Not yet. Not no. yet. I actually Did... just got an invite to go see it that I am turning down mm. because I will be here. Speaking of movies, Eamon, you saw John Wick too. How are you great. feeling? Great, it's amazing, very good. You're excited about. Highlander reboot. Yeah, and I actually, John Wick 2 made me think that this guy really is going to be great for Highlander because John Wick 2 kind of explores the world of the assassins that Keanu Reeves, and it is kind of like their rules to this world and different like societies, similar to Highlander. So I think this guy... He's going to do good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so to wrap up this episode, Charlie, they go back to the the dojo, uh, the denouement, and he's like got his bag packed. He's like hitting the road with Mara. He's, go- he's going for yeah, it. Yeah, he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to feel needed, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he really empathizes with the plight of these unnamed Balkan humanoids. <laughs> <laughs> unnamed Balkan humanoids. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I'm super bummed to see Charlie go. Is this it for him? Well, maybe he'll come back, but I, not I, for a while. I peeked ahead at season three, and I'm pretty sure I remember he's not in any more episodes in not season, season three. three. I'm not entirely sure why. Like, did he have another acting commitment? I don't know why. Like, again, maybe they just decide, maybe people didn't like him as much as we do. We love. He's great. I love yeah. Charlie. Yeah. The episodes with him and like Tommy. The episode with him and Tommy Sullivan is yeah. so good. I don't know. He's really charming. Great chemistry with Mac. Yeah. He's he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, like, I'm a little surprised like he's he getting beats, ousted like this. He beats the crap out of all like the other sidekicky kind of characters. Absolutely. Yeah. Like obviously, yeah. I'm I'm not including Richie Ryan in that, but yeah. like better well, than like Maurice or yeah. like those yeah. kinds of characters. And, and I mean, even Richie's a tough one because like Richie ends up being like a black character early on. Like I end up loving Richie's great, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it kind of takes a while for that character to like I don't know find their footing and them for them and, to really get an interesting relationship going. Yeah, because where like, him and Charlie is... are, I think, great right from the get go. Even when it's like kind of superfluous, and in they're a way, just, like, they're joking like about Chinese food. Peers, like, exactly. In a yeah, way. That's it. It's yeah. not like because it's not the Richie Ryan has like a a mentor student relationship. Like this is like actually just like a, a colleague, a friend, a peer. Like, yeah. And that's an inherently different kind of relationship. Also, uh, Charlie has two samurai swords in his 
backpack. <laughs> well, I guess since that, uh, that that arms yeah. embargo didn't go down, he's got yeah. like I gotta bring a sword. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, now they have the piece. Oh right. But he, they, they got to rebuild mm-hmm. with swords. Re- with swords, it's gonna do some carpentry. Yeah, maybe <laughs> with swords. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. He just he just slices the the swords that way. Very sharp. <laughs> yeah. So this was our first introduction to Ann Lindsay, uh, and so we should take a listen to Bill Panzer uh, on his thoughts on Ann Lindsay. I think clearly there was a loss in McLeod's life when Tessa died. While not wanting to replace Tessa, really, because nobody really could replace Tessa, we thought that the process of somebody not an immortal meeting McLeod finding him fascinating and then gradually finding out about his life and making a choice about his life once she found out about it would be an interesting journey to take the audience on. I think we became aware of the fact that the chemistry on camera was not as good as the chemistry was off camera and Hmm. while we thought it was going to work and had no indications in early rehearsals and early meetings that it was not going to work but we gradually found that for whatever reason the actor and the actress were not clicking together we have a wonderful hearing specialist upstairs you want a referral pardon (laughs) forget it get out go Yeah. I don't know whether hearing the criticism back to back with that is like really powerful. What yeah. person that they're going to fall in love with on screen is like. And even though people might pretend that they don't, I think perhaps sometimes they do. And in fairness, uh, Tessa is a very tough act to follow. Well, I'm curious to see how that develops. Yeah, it has like been that. a while since I've been exposed to this character. So, But like, I don't know, nothing in their initial interaction had me like yeah but you know i guess people should weigh in let us know how they feel about this character because keith i think you are correct that like the there is generally a negative association in like the fandom yeah about this character i like i didn't mind it i just watched season three not too long ago and i i thought it was fine yeah Um, i I don't remember having a disdain for this character watching it when i was younger but yeah i don't know guys you want to play a game yeah let's play a game We're going to play a new game that I've invented, a new quickfire kind of game, or dare I say a quickening fire kind of game. Ooh. I don't get it. Oh, <laughs> you'll, you'll get it when you're older. Okay. Uh, so the way it works is this. I will ask each of you a series of questions, one at a time. It'll bounce back and forth between you. Sometimes you get the same question the other person got. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it will be a factual question. It will be a question with a real answer that I expect you to give. Okay. Other times, I'll be asking you to improvise and make up the answer to the question. It should be relatively obvious which is which. Hmm. And if not, you lose. I mean, you're just not going to get the point for that. <laughs> Whoever answers the most questions either correctly or with uh, an answer I deem suitable will get the most points. <laughs> <laughs> ready for this thing? Yeah. I hope so. Y'all ready how, many, for this? how many questions are there, did you say? Uh, there's like ten questions. Whoa. Some of them will be asked twice, though. Okay, okay. Mm. The same question will be repeated to each of you. So... Be on your toes. It's going to be fast. It's going to be quick. It's going to be quickening. All right. 
Eamon, what would you name the Balkans country in this episode? Uh, Budistan. Keith, what would you name the Balkans country in this episode? Parmistan. Ooh, what is your favorite revolution? Keith. American. Eamon. French. Give me the name of Borchek's faction in this conflict. Keith. The uh, faction of the eagle. Uh, Eamon, give me the name of Karis's faction in this revolution. Uh, the Karis Bears. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith, what is the name of the state that Seacouver is in? Uh, uh, oh, it's too late. Uh, Eamon, what is the name of the state Seacouver is in? Uh, Americania. Americania, all right. <laughs> Keith, the battles of Lexington and Concord started the American Revolution. What year did that battle take place? Uh, 1775. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Eamon, what does ADR stand for? Additional dialogue recording? All right. Keith, who's your congressman? Uh, oh my god, uh, Andrew. Uh, Andrews. I don't know about that. Amen. What? Who's your congressman? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> All right. All right. Keith, Maximilian was the brother of Franz Joseph, the leader of what European empire? Fr- French. False. Amen. Oh, fr- fr- what was the question again? Franz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, fr- that French name, Franz. <laughs> Maximilian <laughs> was the brother of Franz Joseph, the leader of what European empire? Uh, Germany? False. It was Austria. Austria. Damn it. All right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> We're both idiots. <laughs> so, it's either either Eamon won oh, or it's, it's, it's a tie. It's Norcross. Hey, oh, it, it I got my congressman. congressman. I was willing no. to acknowledge that you might know your congressman and look it. that up. But you are, in fact, wrong, which means that Eamon is the winner. Two Eamon, in a row? Two in a row. Well yeah. done. Yeah. So Very that, embarrassed I don't know my congressman's name. That mm. was Quickening Fire. Quickening wow, that was fire. good. Yeah, that was good. A lot of trivia. Good job. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe this game will come back in future episodes yeah. with some fun made-up topics and some real historical tidbits related to the episode. Guys, it's time to rate this episode. Ooh. I, I feel like we all had very... Kyle, you, you had some strong opinions about this one. My, I didn't share those when I watched it. I was like, shrug. So, Kyle, how many out of five pieces of black licorice would you give this episode? Black licorice? Not even red licorice? Like the mortician is eating? I, I think he's eating black. Really? He's eating uh, red. What? I mean, he is... I, a, I think it's red. The but B, guy? he is old enough to be eating black licorice. He's, it's British red. Enough, he's British enough to be eating black licorice. It was filmed. It's red. It was filmed. <laughs> yeah. It's not in black and white. All right. Or choice C. Baby Keith's colorblind, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Baby How many Keith? red vines would I give this? Uh... Uh, even though I'm a Twizzlers man. I'm being generous giving it two red vines. Wow. Eamon, how many Mac harmonica riffs would you give this? Two. Whoa. All right. Yeah, two is like, I think two is generous for this. This ain't thing. as bad as the zone. Wow. Yeah, this I isn't zone like bless the child level, but oof. I'm going to give this a, th- a three. A three. Three Duncan McLeod Mexican mustaches. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. All right. So why three? What, what, what do you think of the. Selling I mean, points for this. This Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Thing. I'm going to change it to five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I don't know. I just it was not met. I know, I know it's not like a well-put-together episode with barely a blot. Uh, I really enjoyed the flashbacks, and I do think there is some sort of moral question at the core. Sadly, it does not get explored. It's not at the core. There is a moral question. There is a moral question. It's on the periphery. Uh, it doesn't get explored, and it doesn't really get challenged. Mac's viewpoint doesn't get challenged, which I think is a problem. Yeah. Uh, like, no. that was something that was really solid about the samurai, is that even the, our hero's code of honor, mm-hmm. the moral question for him, got challenged. Yeah. Right. Uh, and in this one, it's just like, well, 
carrot is garbage. He's clearly an and asshole. he's wrong. Yeah. And Mac ends up being right. And it's like, well, all right. Like, so there's there's not yeah. a lot of tension with with this. And I feel like there could have been something more interesting. Again, they make these these villains too villainous. Like, if yeah. carrot was not so much of a piece of shit. And maybe he was more of just like an ends justify the means more of like guy. A rhubarb. Yeah, yeah. He was more of a rhubarb than a carrot. <laughs> yeah. A little parsnip action. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, stick with root vegetables. I feel like this about. episode could have been better if, rather than, I mean, like he does some pretty awful things. Like he kind of continues fighting even after the war's won. Yeah. He sacrifices well, executing his, their soldiers. Yeah, like, that's like no good. But I mean, the crux of this episode could be kind of like the ends justify the means sort of thing. Right, and I feel like there's no interest interest, about this conflict. Yeah. So we don't know what the ends are. And so it's hard to justify his means because we don't know what's at stake. Yeah, and so when he, you know they're the they're like the radical extreme villains right. in this entire thing, like because we know nothing. Because like also a lot of rebellious factions like aren't great. They really are not so good. Like look at the Spanish Civil War. It's like oh yeah, let's root for like the fascists. <laughs> anyway, it's a problem. Yeah, so I think that presents a problem in this episode that we just kind of don't know what's going on. And if there were some stakes to why he was doing what he was doing, it's like well oh he killed somebody in cold blood. That's bad, but it was to save a lot of other people, so maybe that's okay. And like, so now we, we start to get some sort of internal conflict with Max Code of Honor and, you know, all this stuff. It's, eh. So yeah. it's real just, middling. This entire episode, though, the entire present day plot is just trash tier. It's like goon level, it's not good. Like, the camera yeah. angles for the most part are really uninteresting. The dialogue is crazy. The ADR, the constant ADR dialogue, the weird POV shots, the press guy's voice. It's just like one thing after another is just off putting. The flashbacks are good, mm-hmm. though. Is there a piece of reused footage? In those flashbacks. No, oh, is there? I meant to bring this up earlier. Like, the, the first time they go to the flashback, there's, like, a little bit of a battle. And there's, like, this shot where Mac and Carrot step forward. And they're, like, walking toward the camera shooting. Yeah. I'll swear a very similar shot comes back. And it, like, made me question whether it was the same mm. shot. I wouldn't be Might surprised. Be. Yeah. In any case, this thing claws its way to a two based on the discussion where Mac is playing the harmonica. Because that... Is shot well. That looks great. It's awesome. And Max playing the harmonica. And Max playing the harmonica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one shot during the quickening and like the decapitation. Those like eke it up to being like out of the bottom tier of episodes for me. It's a problematic one. It's and a I, forgettable season three episode. Utterly. Yeah. There's nothing to grab onto. And like this is Charlie's last episode. That's yeah. True. What an unceremonious farewell to a great character. Yeah. yeah. Like he should get his own episode if he's going away. He's Let earned this... that. Charlie has earned that. That's right. And that's something I know about. That's right. <laughs> it's yeah. That's a letdown. Yeah. But hey. But we're moving on. That's what we do. It's a bigger and better thing. That's right. So That's next right. time you got to join us for the Cross of St. Anthony, oh, which is Ooh. an episode that was going to be filmed last season. I don't know if anyone remembers that. That was what, uh, what was the episode with Amanda ended up becoming? Right. Legacy? The, Legacy. Yeah. Correct. This yeah. was supposed to be, this was supposed to be take place last season. Hmm. And because of scheduling and location stuff, it couldn't happen. Uh, something with, I think, the Writers Guild, actually, of well, Canada. I think they wrote the episode, and that was the problem. Mm. And so it had to be a Canadian filmed episode. So now it's in this season in the Vancouver episodes. There we go. So I'm very excited to watch that. Thanks, everybody, again for joining us. Make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes and send us a review our way on iTunes. Did I say iTunes twice in that sentence? That's weird. I sound like an IMDb episode description. You are a human IMDb a episode A living IMDb episode description. That's my, li- my life. We've been your rewatchers. I'm Kyle. This is Eamon. This is Keith. Bye. See Bye.
Yeah, he's like Matt Cack. Yeah. Matt Cat Bat what? Cat Mac Cat. The what? Cat-lac- 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 reflex. <laughs> Cadillac reflexes, Bat Mac Cat grabs it. <laughs> Jesus. What the shit. fuck is happening? <laughs> we hit that point. Guys. Did your brain just explode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's actually having an aneurysm right now. Uh, we need to act fast. This is my last <laughs> episode, guys. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>